Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. What news of the world should unite by this greedy capitalist? Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This Saturday, the 15th of October, you're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm James Barry. And that track that you heard at the end of Solidarity Breakfast was Westgate Bridge Song by Mark Seymour. Mark Seymour from Hunters and Collectors, is That's that correct. right? Thank you. James looked that up for me. Um, and uh, uh, thank you to Annie uh, McLaughlin for another tremendous Solidarity Breakfast show. You are listening to Asia Pacific Currents, which is brought to you by Australia Asia Workerlings. You can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au or on Facebook and Twitter. So look us up on those social media platforms. In the second part of today's show... Our feature interview is with Kara Tagal, who is the International Officer for the KMU, the Kilosang Male Uno, which is the May 1st movement in the Philippines, but it is the Militant Labor um, Federation, the Federation of Trade Unions, the militant one in the Philippines. Kara herself and another unionist, the Vehicle Drivers Union President, Larry Valbuena, um, were both arrested on Monday on trumped-up charges to do with a demonstration that they organised against um, some terror laws, some anti-terror laws that are basically used to target communists. They were arrested and released, and I had an opportunity to speak with Kara yesterday following her posting bail and being released from uh, police custody. So we'll bring you that interview in the second part of the show. But of course, first up, news from around the region. To Myanmar, where there are renewed calls to release jailed unionists. On Monday, UNI Global Unions, representing 200 million workers worldwide, renewed calls to release more than 60 union activists that have been jailed by the junta in Myanmar since the 2021 coup. Global Unions also called for, called for all trumped-up charges against unionists to be withdrawn. More than 300 unionists have been arrested since the 2021 coup, and more than 50 have been killed, while others are in hiding in fear of arrest. In September, a march led by International Workers' Federation of Myanmar was violently attacked before it even got underway, with 29 activists, including student activists, being arrested. Trade unions have been effectively banned since the coup, and labour abuses, from unpaid wages to child labour and gender-based workplace violence, have drastically increased. And in Iran, we enter the fourth week of... Um, protests there, anti-government protests in Iran sparked by the death of a young woman, Jina Mahsa Amini, at the hands of the morality police in September, have entered their fourth week. On Monday, oil workers in Asulagye, I don't think I pronounced that correctly, <laughs> James, um, uh, on the Persian Gulf, went on strike in solidarity, blocking roads near the processing plant. However, observers noted that only contract workers went on strike and in the increasingly stratified oil industry, permanent oil workers have yet to join the protests. This week, security forces escalated action in Kurdish-majority districts in Iran's west, including in Sanadaj and Jinnah's home city of Sokez, in an attempt to silo protesters along ethnic and sectarian lines. 
Gunshots and mortar fire were recorded in a number of Kurdish cities as security forces responded to protests with military-scale operations. This stands in contrast to their response in larger cities, such as Tehran. Despite the extent and duration of these protests, it's clear that the Iranian government intends to ride it out the way that it always does, with brute force. It is very, very dramatic, but James, I also think the protesters intend to ride this out as well. That's right. We haven't seen protests that, of this duration in Iran uh, since the revolution, I think, so uh, it is unique in that sense. Um, to India now, where unions are pushing for government to negotiate on workers' rights. In the, the Centre of Indian Trade Unions, or CITU, has called upon the state government in Tamil Nadu to take action against state-owned companies in the region that refuse bargaining with unions on workers' rights. State President A. Sundara Rajan and General Secretary G. Sugamaran stated that the issue is coming to a head as routine negotiations regarding wages that normally occur before the holiday of Diwali, which is on this year in on the 25th of October, have not yet taken place. In addition, the CITU has called upon the government to similarly pressure private sector employers who are also ignoring unions in the process of bargaining. And in Palestine, factions have agreed to put aside their differences to hold elections. Representatives of Hamas, Fatah and 12 other Palestinian political parties came to an agreement this week in Algiers to put their disputes aside and hold elections in the next 12 months. Palestine has not held elections since the US rejected Hamas's victory in the 2006 poll and elections have been held back by a combination of Israel's restrictions on Palestinians and Fatah's fear of losing power. The agreement stopped short of forming a unity government and post-election transitions still face the same problems of Israel's interference and corruption in the Palestinian Authority. Meanwhile, a strike is underway in East Jerusalem in response to the Israeli army cutting off the Shu'afat refugee camp in the city, which is a target for future settlement plans by Israel. Shu'afat residents have been holding a campaign of civil disobedience since Israel surrounded the camp, a neighbouring area is home to more than 100,000 people, in response to the shooting of a single Israeli soldier at a checkpoint. On Wednesday, strike action had extended to other Palestinian cities outside Jerusalem, including Nablus and Ramallah. In New Zealand now, where there has been a call for action against the huge pay gap for Pacifica workers. The New Zealand Council of Trade Unions has called for immediate legislation to address the racist pay inequalities in the country exposed by the Pacific Pay Gap Inquiry report released this week. The report found that Pacifica men, Pacifica being non-Maori New Zealanders of Indigenous Pacific Islander origin, were paid on average 19% less than white New Zealand men, while Pacifica women were paid 25% less. The report also found widespread discrimination against people with notably Pacific Islander names in the job market. The NZCTU has called for a national plan to end the Pacifica and Maori pay gap in 20, by, by 2042 with the government to set targets and foster effective action. The NZCTU also noted the government's project to get more Pacifica people in employment was being undermined by the disincentives of this pay gap, as well as other discrimination. And our final story for today comes from Bangladesh, where Danone workers are taking industrial action, Danone being the yogurt uh, manufacturer that claims to be a social enterprise. The newly formed Danone Workers Union in Bangladesh launched protest actions on the 1st of October after months of attacks on worker and trade union rights by local management. 
When workers formed a union for the first time in January this year, local management intervened to prevent its formation. Despite the company's opposition, the union was legally registered. Every action by management since has shown that the Danone Global Policies and Proclaimed Commitments on Worker and Trade Union Rights don't apply in Bangladesh. Just a month after the union was formed, two active members were targeted and victimised with false charges of misconduct designed to scare workers away from the union. With no evidence or basis at all for the fabricated allegations, management was forced to withdraw the charges. The union sent a protest letter on the 23rd of September against ongoing harassment of unionists and for the company and about the company's failure to register an enterprise bargaining agreement which they had actually agreed to but just refused to sign but management ignored the protest letter. As a result, the union launched protest actions on the 1st of October. That is news from around the region. We're going to go do some community announcements and then our feature story for the morning. It is nine minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. If you're a charity or community group looking for office space or a co-working space, Ross House has rooms of different sizes available, from 15 metres squared to 100 metres squared, at affordable prices. Many charity groups already call Ross House home, so if you're interested in joining a vibrant community or working towards social justice and environmental sustainability, please visit rosshouse.org.au or contact reception during office hours on 9650 Ross House is a 3CR supporter. It is 10 minutes past 9 o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. Earlier in the week, on Monday, the 10th of October, Kara Tagao, who is the International Officer of the KMU, Kilosang Mao Uno, and the Vehicles Drivers Union President, Larry Valbuena, these are Filipino comrades, They were both arrested on trumped-up charges related to a demonstration that they organised against the Philippines' anti-terror laws. They posted bail with the help of community and international organising to raise the funds. They raised the bail and they were released later in the week. And yesterday, I had a chance to speak with Kara Tagal. She starts off here by answering the question, what were those charges about? It was September 22 that we learned that we have an, a, a case, a warrant of arrest, uh, stating that we have a robbery um, case uh, co- uh, filed by a police uh, officer. And uh, so the next uh, week, uh, the last week of September, we posted bail for the said uh, case. Um, and then we learned that we had another case, which is um, the case of direct assault. So we couldn't find any papers, documents related to the case, and so we couldn't post bail for the for the case of direct assault until after the arraignment of our trumped-up robbery case um, on Monday, October 10. As we were stepping out of the regional trial court of the Quezon City, uh, we were suddenly um, uh, arrested by um, some personnel from the... Uh, QCPD, QC Police District, saying that we are being arrested on 
the charge of direct assault and we were brought to Camp Karingal. And of course, I mean, you're referring to these as trumped up charges and we can see that they're trumped up charges. What do you mm. think is the motivation behind yours and your comrades' arrest? Um, the, the incident that they're uh, taking the case from happened in uh, July 2020. It was um, an activity against the anti-terror law, which was attended by different sectors in the Commission on Human Rights Grounds. Um, for whatever reason, the police, uh, maybe uh, the police asked for the leaders of the organizations that were present um, in the activity. And uh, Kalari, uh, one of the leaders of Piston, and I were a uh, former leader of League of Filipino Students, was um, uh, mentioned uh, during the activity. Um, and we think that after a long time, since uh, they uh, threatened to file charges, um, we think that they decided to pursue th this case because uh, both Kalari and I are now in uh, the labor movement and um, organizing labor unions, trade unions, and we have been actively campaigning for the rights of workers, especially um, since the new administration came into um, being. Uh, we have been uh, doing dialogues with the new government officials we have attended the International Labor Conference. Um, I, I personally was a delegate to the International Conference. Um, and so we've been having dialogues and we've been getting a lot of um, good news, um, commitments from different uh, congressmen, senators, and government officials about um, the, our campaigns for a wage increase, uh, for security of tenure, and the uh, protection of uh, the freedom of association. And we think that uh, in order for the government or for the policemen to, to stop us or in some way um, divert our attention, it's one of their ways to harass and intimidate us um, as we pursue our different campaigns. So your campaign was the, the campaign for which you were arrested was yeah. around the Anti-Terrorism Act. It was a... Um, some legislation that is, I would argue, being used to target um, yes. activists, communists, unionists, worker rights activists. There's also another another one, the cyber libel law, which we know that in August this year, another comrade of yours, Walden Bello, was arrested under this law. Can you talk a little bit about the Anti-Terrorism Act, the cyber libel laws, and the other general laws that are used to target activists? Yeah. Uh, the anti-terrorism uh, law, the cyber uh, criminal law, and other laws that um, have the same um, uh, basis of arresting individuals is uh, actually um, an attack to press freedom to the democratic rights of the people. For the people to, um, to be able to freely criticize the government, to freely believe in their um, principles and uh, in the virtues that they want to choose, um, it has been uh, an ongoing and uh, intensifying program of the government since the Duterte administration. And it's still continuing, as uh, Marcos has said, that he will uphold or continue the programs and policies of the Duterte administration. And um, we've been campaigning in the Philippines, uh, labor rights activists, human rights activists, we have been campaigning for 
the, for the defense of press freedom, for the defense of democratic rights in the Philippines. But um, in the in the context, in the backdrop of the worsening crisis, um, the rising inflation, rising unemployment, um, the lack of support from the government, um, it is only right and just for the people to demand the government uh, to give the to give their uh, uh, for, uh, to demand the government to give the rights of the people to address the the worsening problems economic and health uh, social problems but um, instead of addressing these issues the government has been on a roll of uh, attacking the rights of the people and uh, we believe that um anti-terrorism act uh, and other laws that uh, anti-terrorism law and the other laws that um are of this are that are of the same um uh, policy as a uh, uh silencing the criticism and dissent of the people it's um a way of the government to to silence the people instead of addressing the economic and um, social issues that we are currently facing and are you able to tell me what is the national task force to end local communist armed conflict? What is that? I know that was introduced by President Duterte. He's he's not there anymore. Marcos Jr. is there now. What is this law? Will it remain in place? Yes. Um, the, uh, the national task force to end local communist armed conflict was actually um, established under the memorandum of the, the former president, uh, Duterte where they established um, an interagency or the different agencies of the government um, being uh, uh, in, a, in a task force implementing um, supposedly anti-communist um, programs and policies. And therefore, um, each government agency that are part of the national task force are obliged to give part of their budget to the national task force, which is uh, being implemented, which is mainly headed by military officials and the president, of course. Um, and we've seen so far that instead of um, these uh, uh, budgets uh, being allotted to social services uh, for the people, um, these budgets that are going to the national task force, they are being used to red tag. They are going all over the Philippines. Um, inside schools, inside workplaces, they are holding forum, fora, uh, let's say, uh, say fora, and um, in the discussions that they, uh, they do inside schools and workplaces, they say that the um, civil, civil society organizations, critical individuals are communists, and therefore, if they are communists, they should, and members of the, uh, or fronts of the CPP, NPA, NDF, they don't deserve to be um, roaming free, to be doing what they are doing freely, um, and basically painting activism as a terrorist crime. And so um, the National Task Force has, has not only been doing propaganda against um, civil society organizations, but also the worst they have done is to uh, intimidate, harass um, different groups and organizations, individuals who are doing um, social work on their own uh, rights um, and the worst that has just come was that um, other labor organizers uh, other activists have been arrested based on illegal uh, uh, based on trumped up charges and others have been killed on the basis of uh, red tagging such as our 
um, former National Council Officer Dandy Miguel, who was shot dead uh, near his uh, workplace, and such as the different uh, political prisoners arrested under the Duterte administration, um, case in point, Paul Viuya, um, also a National Council member of KMU, who was arrested because of supposedly um, uh, bearing uh, illegal possession of uh, firearms and um, other materials. So that has been the, the, uh, the doings of the National Task Force. Um, despite our call for the budget to be realigned to social services. In the first 100 days of Marcos Jr.'s presidency, 10 people were extrajudicially killed, four people were abducted and are still missing, and 37 were arrested based on trumped-up charges, you uh, being among them. Can you talk to me a little bit about the human rights situation in the Philippines, not just for activists, unionists, but even lawyers and um, activist priests and those people? Yes, definitely. Um, as we have said, it, uh, the the situation of human rights in the Philippines has uh, it has greatly worsened and during the Duterte administration's time. Um, the worst that the, it was implemented um, attacking not only activists, not only priests, not only lawyers, but Oplantokang. Uh, uh, which was supposedly a war against uh, drugs, was was used to, to kill thousands of ordinary people. Whether they were users or drug dealers, we were, we, we were not sure. We couldn't do any investigations, further investigations, they, because they were killed on site, including children, minors, uh, women, uh, people who do not know about drugs, uh, who do not deal with drugs at all. Um, and so we we have a new administra administration, President Marcos, um, which was also which uh, whose candidacy was also questioned strongly by the people uh, because of his family background, um, coming from uh, of, of his father being uh, the dictator in, of Mar uh, of in the Philippines during the martial law. And his family's denials of the crimes that they have done to the people. And um, if you if you think about it, if someone who denies the crimes that they have done to the country uh, wins as president, what do we expect? Uh, what do we what we what do we expect when when he learned from his father, who also implemented extrajudicial killings, salvages of ordinary people? Um, of priests, of lawyers, of um, press uh, and journalists, uh, press workers and journalists. So it's not only an, an attack, a threat to activists who are critically voicing out their concerns and criticisms of the government, but of the ordinary people and different professions doing what they think should be done to give services to the people. And um, it's like um, it's like showing that this kind of policy against is against humanity, against people who who are humane, uh, who do good for the people. Because um, the government is lacking, <laughs> and um, the people, everyone, different from different organizations and even individuals, uh, who are serving the people in their own um, um, 
understanding in their own way because the government is lacking. It's it, we are being attacked. Hi, my name is Bandolini, also known as Robbie Thorpe. I want to invite you to the 2022 Beyond the Bars CD launch on Thursday, the 10th of November, at Arnie Elmer Thorpe's Gathering Place, Dadi Manwaro, 546 to 550 High Street, Preston. There will be a panel discussion on First Nations incarceration and justice, some live music with Amos Roach, and free copies of this year's Beyond the Bars CD. Thursday, the 10th of November, Arnie Almathorpe's Gathering Place, Daddy Munro, 6 to 8 pm. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au backslash beyond the bars. to an interview that I did with Kara Tagao, the International Officer of the KMU, Kilosong Mao Uno in the Philippines, one of the militant labour centres. I spoke to Kara about her recent arrest and release on bail in relation to some trumped up charges. And that does bring us to the end of Asia Pacific Currents for another morning. James. Thank you. Uh, This is James here. We're going to go out with some more community announcements and coming up next is Palestine Remembered. But please stay tuned to 3CR for the rest of the weekend. We'll be back next Saturday at 9 o'clock with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region.